This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 30th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Energy grids throughout the U.S. are notoriously complex, and when balancing the environmental impact against the cost of various forms of energy, many policymakers have made some profound discoveries about economic trade-offs, actual environmental impact, and externalities. Andre Beliveau of the John Locke Center in North Carolina makes the case for considering a broader range of environmentally friendly energy. For states that want to be attractive to business, an absolutely key component of that is energy production, but the cost of energy uh, in some, some states more than others, it might be, you know, how environmentally friendly is that energy production, that yep. sort of thing. What has North Carolina done and why do, why do you think it holds promise for other states? Sure. So one of the things that our state legislature has done is mandated carbon reduction into statute. So what does that mean? It means while they didn't say what energy sources could be used, they did set forward uh, guardrails, like the energy sources have to be at least cost to ratepayers. Uh, the energy uh, fuel sources that are chosen uh, cannot jeopardize the reliability of the grid. So while that helps, uh, has ratepayers in mind, also helps uh, making sure we don't have rolling blackouts like in other places, it also makes us uh, attractive to companies who have their own uh, environmental goals. So if a company is thinking like, okay, we have, you know, carbon reduction as part of our our corporate plan. Well, just by moving to North Carolina, they can achieve those goals. So they're moving into a state that already has a promising tax environment for them. It's business friendly already. Now by the legislation and the policies that are in place in North Carolina, it makes it even more attractive to businesses to come to to come to our state. How replicable is that in other states? I, I, I think, I mean, the language is agnostic enough that it can be replicated in other states. I mean, so effectively what the language is, the policy, is that uh, it, it says we, uh, we, we want you, the utilities commission or whatever state, however states determine is that you must reduce CO2 emissions by X number. North Carolina chose 70% by 2030 and then carbon neutral by 2050. And you can do that however you want, but it has to be done at least cost to ratepayers, and it has to be done without jeopardizing the adequacy and reliability of the grid. And what has been the result so far? So the result so far is the Utilities Commission has decided to uh, meet with through a stakeholder process to decide how they're going to do that. So the main energy company in North Carolina, Duke Duke Energy, has provided uh, four portfolios to the Utilities Commission, and now they're in the stakeholder process. They're hearing from expert witness testimony. Uh, is that is, are these actually least costs? Is this actually most reliable? And what and what we're seeing right now is this is actually allowing the marketplace of ideas to unfold. Right? Uh, people are coming forward and saying, "Well, actually, no. Uh, this plan is is more is." Uh, more in line with the law, at least cost and reliability. Uh, my organization has put forward one of those plans. Uh, there are countless other organizations. And what we're seeing is kind of interesting, especially anyone who's interested in this energy sector. We're seeing, you know, the renewables organizations come through and become creative. Uh, we're seeing nuclear uh, being brought into the fold in, in a very heavy way. I mean, it is uh, it doesn't <laughs> emit any carbon. Uh, it's extremely reliable. So we're seeing that come to the fold. Uh, even natural gas. And it's been interesting to watch people who traditionally would have opposed something like natural gas, talk about it in a way as it is actually a cleaner fuel uh, that could be used as a bridge f- uh, fuel maybe to something more nuclear. Uh, and we're starting there now, it's now opened up the conversation about it doesn't have to be all renewables all day long. We can achieve this through things like natural gas. Uh, we can achieve this through things like nuclear. But also what our policy allowed was for the commission every several years 
to examine advances in technology, right? So in, in mandated in statute, they're required to say, is there something better that makes us cheaper and more uh, reliable? So if down the line, something like carbon capture becomes a reality, well, maybe we don't have to close all of these coal plants. Maybe we don't have to close the new natural gas plants because we now have carbon capture. That that mixes into uh, their standard for uh, least cost reliability and maintaining the the carbon goals. So it is, it's innovative in a way. It's forward thinking to allow for advancements in technology. And as I alluded to before, it actually helps North Carolina's business environment because people can achieve their their climate goals just by putting iron in the ground in North Carolina. Yeah, and e- even just the process of getting to uh, deciding upon better sources of energy, I think it probably makes the scales fall from people's eyes when it comes to sources like natural gas, like nuclear. Absolutely. And when they actually have to critically examine whether those things are more or less environmentally friendly. That's right. And also, I mean, I'm sure other states are similar to North Carolina. Our grid is designed to take... Uh, dispatchable baseload energy sources. So what does that mean? Large baseload facilities like a nuclear facility or a natural gas facility or a coal plant and dispatchable, which means it's readily available all the time. Uh, You can flip a switch and the facility starts moving. It's producing power. Uh, It's not a non-dispatchable, non-baseload source, something like solar or wind, where if the sun's not shining, the wind's not blowing, you don't have power. Uh, It requires uh, additional infrastructure like battery storage. Uh, And even then, the the amount you can hold... uh, in a, in a battery storage facility is, again, uh, accountable to these externalities. Uh, but also the quality of the energy that flows through the grid is important. The quality of the energy that flows through from some of these other sources uh, is, just, is, just not, is just not there uh, quite yet. So owing to the fact that the, the grid requires uh, dispatchable baseload sources, the policy in place of uh, reliability in particular, but also least costs, sort of places, while it's agnostic, it does place those guardrails into particular energy sources. Because in order to adopt other things like renewables, it would require massive amounts of grid modifications, which incur a lot more costs. What do you tell coal states? I think there's hope for for, for coal states. I mean, you need, I mean, every, every grid is going to need dispatchable sources. Uh, if a state chooses to, to, use, to use coal, that's fine. I think things like carbon capture technology is going to change the game. What I think we really need to do, especially in environmental circles, is tell people to just let's let's calm down, let's relax. This is not a, a race to five seconds from now. This is a long a long term plan. We you know I think people um, get very excited uh, about when we start talking about things like climate change and they feel like you have to act right now. Well, and I think that the reasonable thing to do is to um, be smart about be smart about this. I think all of us agree that we want the. We want to be as environmentally friendly as possible, and we want to conserve the environment, but we also don't want to uh, <laughs> experience uh, a winter with no power. Uh, we also don't want our economies to crumble. Uh, so the slower we, you know, we as far as closing coal plants or moving into other technologies, let's wait because something like carbon capture may, may come into the fold here. And even some of these uh, coal facilities can be transformed into uh, natural gas facilities or um, on the same footprint, you can put in like a small module nuclear reactor. For example, people can keep their jobs. Uh, you know, I think there's a there's studies right now about coal operators uh, can easily transition into being nuclear operators. Uh, so these are all things if we just take our time and be reasonable about it, um, you know, the, the coal states 
don't have don't have to worry. It's just I think it's getting uh, the environmentalist to get on board with things like uh, nuclear, but also slow your roll. <laughs> California and Texas famously have had recent episodes of either sky high energy prices or blackouts or both. And uh, why does the electricity grid? Why does that for some in so many areas stop at the state line? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great, great question. I mean, I think the problems there is you're seeing in those states where they are heavily reliable on renewable energy. Uh, renewable energy is just, it's not, it is not reliable. You know, anything that is not a base load dispatchable energy source is, is not reliable. Uh, it also incurs in- incredible costs because uh, of because of grid modification. So to your point, it's it's uh, not least cost, but they've also just thrown reliability out the window uh, for a sort of virtue signal. We could say we have, you know, we're using X, you know, X source, whether it's wind or wind or solar instead of uh, being innovative. But I think we really need uh, more states to buy into something like the North Carolina model uh, and also working really hard at changing the narrative, uh, particularly, you know, I mean, North Carolina is has a has a Republican controlled General Assembly, uh, but it was but it was still a, a General Assembly that passed a bill that mandated car you know carbon reduction into statute. Well, why is that? Because the policy framework and guardrails guardrails around it were reasonable. Uh, it said we're going to do this uh, in in two ways, and it, it didn't throw out reliability for costs, and it didn't throw out costs for reliability. Uh, and I think that that is really the framework that that that's that's a two pronged effort that I think is really significant. And the more states that do that. I think we will see a better marketplace unfold and we won't be experiencing the rolling blackouts like in Texas or California. And we won't fall to the issues that we're seeing in Europe. We have a perfect, I think, example right now of what not to do with energy policy just by using uh, what's happening in Europe as a, as a case study. So if we don't do that and we learn from that and try to do something different, uh, I think using North Carolina as a model, we, we'd have a better, a better way forward uh, within each state. Andre Beliveau directs government affairs with the John Locke Foundation. It's that time of year when I ask you, yes, you, to show your support for this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute with a gift. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. And thank you.